Hello, I'm Richard Herring. I'm Abdullah Crowley. And this is Sight on Screen. This week we have a very interesting Yeah, we, 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 we've been kind of struggling with, like, we know what's the upcoming releases and this question of finding things that seem thematically relevant, but also because of the current quarantine situation around the world, we don't really know when releases are going to be coming up again. So trying to keep things also slightly thematically consistent, I guess and, you could call you it. you know, throw in a couple of curveballs here and there. Yeah, yeah, go for something a little bit off the normal grid. Go for something a little unusual. Yeah, because uh, this summer, Wonder Woman 1984 was supposed to come out. Yep. I believe that's been... Postponed, uh, postponed. as far as I'm yeah. aware. And it's if you've seen the poster for it, it is... It is Hi, something. <laughs> Thor Ragnarok was really popular. Yeah, it is. It is something. That is exactly what that poster is saying. It's kind of like, oh, you guys like the neon stuff. Yeah, I think it actually uses the same color scheme as the new Netflix intro logo thing. Yes, where very, it has that like very like rainbowish, yeah, yellowish. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Thing. This thing is supposed to be like soundtrack by synthwave. It's it's yeah. got such a such a look. It's it certainly does. It's very neon. It's very bright. Yeah, it's 80s nostalgia at its highest. At its highest. <laughs> and then, for reasons which I'm not entirely sure we can explain, we decided to go a complete 180. <laughs> well, technically they relate, I yeah, guess. There's... So, for those who were hoping that we would review uh, Batman v Superman Ultimate Cut, oh, especially oh, since oh, Richard Lord. hates that, I hate and I was, I was going to revel in his hatred for the movie... Uh, no, we didn't. I, I'm saving that. Yeah. I'm saving that for a very special occasion. And I'm not going to spoil when. I will give a hint that there is an upcoming release sometime maybe next year where this would be relevant. I'm doing a very sinister grin right yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm giving him a look that says, okay, so we're going for a revenge is a be- dish best served cold approach, are we? Almost frozen, as yeah, a matter of fact. <laughs> that's, that's how cold. Almost frozen. Yeah, I'm telling you, this legend thing, I'm never, yeah. never going to live it down. It was horrible. It was a horrible God, experience. It, it was. No, so we decided to go for 1984 directed by Michael Bradford in 1984. Yes. It's, it's got quite a lot of symmetry going on there. The George Orwell, uh, or based on George Orwell's book of the same name. Yeah, which he wrote in 1948. Published in 49. Yeah, called 1984. And it's the setting of the book is April to June in 1984. The in film a fictional was 1984. A fictional dystopian. Alt- this is like... The ground zero for dystopian sci-fi. Yeah, George Orwell very much pioneered this kind of uh, dystopian future scene mm. in many, many, many novelizations, Ooh, so many. graphic novels, uh, comics, as well as uh, books and series and films yep. later on. Especially recently, there's a oh, great yeah. there's a great Netflix series. I believe it's Russian. Correct me if I'm wrong. That's called 1983. That's fantastic. Ooh, I haven't heard of it. I need to get that and might yeah. have to take a look at that. Yeah. No. So this is and they're trying to do this thing where he George Orwell was was writing this in 1948 as a warning. We can call it that. I think yeah. it, it's quite obviously a, it's a fairly strongly worded warning about the 
and like issues of fascism, the political far right, communism. It's a it's a lot of stuff there. Yeah, because after the Second World War, yep. which pretty much had extreme fascism <laughs> versus extreme fascism was kind of the order of the day. <laughs> yeah, with the axis of evil and so on and so forth. Yeah. Uh, and so this was a warning to the English government mm. saying that, you know, don't fall into the same totalitarian regimes because this will be the outcome, essentially. Yeah, I mean, and there's a lot of this you can recognize in the book and in the film. There's a lot of, like, British ideals, especially late 40s, early 50s British ideals, and you can see how they've been warped oh, yes. into this kind of fascist thinking Mm -hmm. it's trying to make this point that this is a world you recognize but here's how how few steps away we are from it going this wrong yeah and i think the fact that this is uh centered towards uk and britain is very much relevant (laughs) because like like you were saying this this is a very special kind of fascism it's not Mm. really the same or it harbors the same core, but it's not really the same veneer as you would see in, like, World War II movies where they talk about France... Uh, sorry, I mean, Germany and uh, Italy. Yeah. Uh, but more... Um, Stalinist. Stalinist, yeah. yeah. I guess Even though be. it does... The death of Stalin is a good, good yeah. Example. No, death of Stalin is yeah. I mean, this is and it, I mean, this was written during Stalin's reign. Yes. So this is very much right in the middle of the Stalin era, mm-hmm. and you can really kind of there, there's a lot of comparisons. There's a lot of it's so obviously trying to mm. say here is what would happen in the United Kingdom if we had a Stalin and that regime continued. Yes. Uh, if it wasn't fought back against. Yeah, soon exactly. Enough. And just so we're clear, while I think this is a movie we would both recommend, do so understanding that it is a dark, depressing, dour movie. Yeah, it's very much... Uh, it will set you in a mood. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you're not already in that mood, it will set you in a mood. It's such an atmosphere in this thing. And yeah. it isn't... There, There is no... Hope and happiness is in this darn thing. It is very, very gray and dour in its mood. Yeah, and I usually like movies that, uh, just because they don't really, not many of them exist, I usually like movies that don't really have the typical happy ending yeah. or the a very thick atmosphere, dark atmosphere, because Hollywood tries to avoid that for the most part. Yeah, I mean, the closest Hollywood's ever come to making this film is Brazil. Ooh, I haven't seen it. Oh, think. really? Terry Gilliam? Yeah, I don't think I've seen oh, it. Oh, wow, that's a great movie. That's a that's a big recommend for me. Terry Gilliam, the animator for the Monty Python crew. Oh, cool. Uh, director. He's also the one who did 12 Monkeys. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, no, he's a great director. And Brazil is kind of his magnum opus. I'm desperately trying to remember the main actor in that. It's the main bad guy from the Bond film Tomorrow Never Dies. Oof. You know who I'm talking about, at I least. I think so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's the main, like, and it's a... That's it's the a, one with Denise Richards, right? That's... No, no. 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 That's the World's Not Enough. World's Not Enough is yeah. the one with Denise Richards. Whoa, which one what was her tomorrow? name? Christmas or something? Yeah, something it was ridiculous. so stupid. It was, oh. <laughs> no, Tomorrow Never Dies, that was the boring one. <laughs> that was the boring one. <laughs> yeah. The one about newspapers. Yeah, the one that was actually a good movie, but a boring Bond movie. <laughs> yeah, no, that's... They've done that a few times. They have. Yeah, uh, but Qu- no. Quantum of Solace is one of oh. those. <laughs> it's a boring... Like, the, the story is fine, and the, even, like, the... 
the setup is okay, but as a Bond movie, it's incredibly boring. I think the only thing I remember from that movie is water. Yeah. Water. <laughs> Where the guy sounds like a Mad Max villain, you yeah. know? <laughs> it's kind of like, no, 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 this man should be wearing much more leather. Just, hmm. <laughs> That would be interesting. Water. James Bond in the Mad Max universe, that would be a fanfic made in heaven. <laughs> really? Yeah. Would it really? Yeah. He'd just be dead. Come on, Daniel Craig, Tom Hardy, duking it out. Yeah, no, he'd be dead. It just it wouldn't last. <laughs> be, like, that wouldn't even be a fan fiction. That'd be a fan note. Fan note. It would be a footnote. That's like, a, oh, Daniel Craig died. That's a one paragraph blog post. That's not a fan fiction. Mm. <laughs> No, yes. but it, it, it's uh, Brazil is very much a similar kind of movie, but it is a very American way of doing it, where it's got the zaniness, it's got the comedy, it's got mm. a lot more flash, flair, visual style going on. Yeah, this thing here is way more grounded, way more down to earth. Uh, it is filmed in abandoned sections of London. It's, yeah, and clearly war torn oh, <laughs> sections. God, it's yeah. so. I don't even know what to call it because it it's dystopian, but it is dystopian in the bleakest sense. It looks like the entire world has become the bad parts of Detroit from RoboCop. Yes, that's a great uh, visual. Yeah, it's like, like it, it's like that. It's like those like construction yards in in RoboCop mm. are now the world. And this is this is very much like in every facet of the of the filmmaking. It's mm. also very depressing. Oh yeah, <laughs> the I color mean, grading. The, the angles that, that things are shot in, the slow burn. This is an incredibly slow burn kind of movie. It's a smart movie, but it's a slow burner. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, no. But, like, yeah, definitely a smart movie because mm. some of the dialogue is absolutely fantastic. Fa- fantastic. And I'm not surprised because it's taken from the book. Oh, yeah. no, they do- Which is one of our favorite books. Yeah, both likewise. Books, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, no. Because it's a very good translation. I mean, that's the thing I will completely give this. I think we both noted a couple of sequences. I mean, the or it's very much in the spirit of the book, if not completely in the wording of the book. Yeah, there no, little, there's things that are out of order. The way things are put together is slightly different, but it does a fantastic job of capturing that atmosphere. Yeah, it is an adaptation, but mm. it's a beautiful adaptation because mm. if even if it doesn't uh, you know copy the book one to one it gives you the exact same emotion and uh, basically setting oh yeah and atmosphere like you were saying as the book so so very much follows in the footsteps of the book yeah and it is very much a character's journey so oh yeah and and that's actually that's that's one of the things that i commented while watching is that in the book it's even more uh like uh in the point of view of yeah, this character because you're constantly in the character's head yeah in the book and here you get segments of that mm. but then you also get sort of the story because they have to progress the story well i mean that's kind of the nature of it where the book yeah. can take a first person perspective it is written yeah. in the personal form this has to kind of take a third person perspective because you are the outsider looking in yeah and with that in mind the it I- is though a good character study oh, it's a great character study yeah. and they really do managed to put you in this in the head of Wilson Smith who is the main character of both the book and the movie yeah played by John Hurt J- played by John Hurt which I was about to give kudos to because John Hurt has been good many places he's a he's one of those actors who he he doesn't change the game really but he does what he's asked to do well yes you know you're if you're casting John Hurt you know what you're getting and you're mm-hmm. usually going to get your money's worth Yes. But he really knocks it out of the park with this. This is a very deep, 
yet subtle performance. It goes subtle, subtle is definitely the word yeah, to use. Yeah, goes places. And, yeah, no, uh, definitely. And I mean, I enjoyed it really much. Mm. It was really, really good. I was actually kind of, I was actually blown away in certain segments of the movie of how you kind of forget that you're watching a movie. At yeah, no, points. it's yeah. very, it's yeah. almost to the point where you're almost like a documentary or something. You're, it is almost, so yeah. grounded, it's so realistic in its portrayal of human misery in the depression that yeah, yeah it really kind of goes to the places i'm used to documentaries going emotionally yeah even the 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 visual style is a little documentary yeah i mean this in, is in certain sections yeah this is roger deakins and roger deakins is kind of the main man for a lot of the cinematographer you mean yeah he's yeah. a cinematographer or director of photography as they're calling it in this because yeah. it's that kind of era of filmmaking that's the era of filmmaking he is kind of a master class man for telling story through camera mm-hmm. he doesn't rely on just the dialogue he's here to, he's gonna he knows the script and he's gonna tell the story with the dialogue yes and while his more recent work things like 1917 uh, Blade Runner 2049 He's, those yeah, are slightly true. more visually dynamic. There are moments in this movie where you can see the drama in the shots. Yeah, no, I, I really loved some of these shots, especially when they're hinting at that something might be, you know, thought police. Oh, yeah. With the, with the, having the main character sort of in, uh, left of the screen or mm. right of the screen. And then in the middle of the screen, you have the, gl- the looming eyes. Either yeah. from the from Big Brother or from other surrounding like extras. Yeah, I mean, just a, turning <laughs> a, a big part of both as a, a part of the novel is this idea that you are always being watched because you have screens everywhere and the screens always have cameras in them and there are posters everywhere for this Big Brother character. Which even if people haven't read the book, they know who Big Brother is. Yeah, it's, it's very a, it's a cultural phenomenon. Yeah, I it's would a say. Big, it's a it's a cultural like, midpoint now. Everybody knows about this and this looming eyes as you call it is mm-hmm. really well framed here it's always present you never get away from it yeah and it was really interesting because i had, i read the book after i had read the great gatsby which is mm. my favorite book mm-hmm. and that has a very similar aspect the uh optician oh yeah uh, the, the the billboard for the optician and it's just yeah, these, yeah, yeah. these eyes that loom over everyone that passes through that street mm. That eventually, you know, yep. things happen. <laughs> yep. We don't want to get into spoilers. Things, for things the Great certainly Gatsby. do happen. <laughs> things happen in that, on that street. <laughs> but yeah, and so I read this book and it was like, oh, I could see how one could have influenced the other. And obviously, Great Gatsby influence, uh, took the influence from 1984. 1984, yeah. yeah. I mean, and 1984, it's, it's... The one thing I will say is that when you're reading the book, it is so culturally its own thing and this was my experience of it that it was hard to relate because it is coming from the perspective of a character who is in kind of indoctrinated with a lot of what is this new world a big example is language Mm -hmm. so in the book they make a very big deal out of this thing where the dictionary has now gone from however many pages to like half they're gonna keep New editions are coming out, and it keeps being less and less words because the They're less... perfecting the language. Perfecting the language because the less words there are, the less ability it is to express something that the state wouldn't approve of. Exactly. You no longer have the word to express these emotions and these problems. Yeah, and you, you have words, and then you have words that were taken out, which are referenced as unwords. Unwords. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so and then you and have... Unwords. You don't have great, you have double good. You have yeah. these kind of like... It's a simplification of language, 
and it doesn't it doesn't feature in the film as a major point, but it is something that is very present because it yeah. is something that is part of the dialogue. And it's way more present in the in the book. Yeah, because and it's not it's not a unusual considering that the it's written by an author obviously yeah, who, yeah, exactly. who values the english language but here's the thing for me the fact that it isn't so present here makes the film in some ways a little bit more emotionally relatable uh, digestible I would yeah say. it's something it's a little easier to put yourself in these shoes mm-hmm. to put it that way and because the book is so in this world that has been created yeah. it's a little hard to imagine yourself in this place yeah, but Orwell is kind of known for that. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, an Orwell yeah. thing. That's an Orwell thing. Uh, if you guys have read, like, Animal Farm, for example, mm. or... I don't know. If is there a movie of Animal Farm? There probably is. Animated, probably. I know really? there's an... Yeah, I there's an surprised. animated movie of Animal Farm? That's I a deep... That's a deep... Be surprised. Uh, that's a really deep uh, movie in that case. I wouldn't be surprised. It's not for kids. I'll I mean, I, I when I read Animal Farm, I read it in an a illustrated book. Really? Yeah. Wow, it was right. laid out like a children's book. But it's not. But it's not. But that's <laughs> not even of... remotely close. No, but that is the format George Orwell was kind of going for. He is trying to frame things in a fantastical, almost like childlike way. I mean... Yeah, but no, that's one of the anthrop- themes in the Yeah, book. it is one yeah. of the themes. But think about it. Anthropomorphic animals expressing human politics? That's yeah, like no, a that, Disney that was, thing. You know, but that was the whole point of that story. Completely. Was, was that interplay between reality that we know it versus mm-hmm. the reality that these animals and how yeah. they reflect that. And that kind of suits itself well to kind of taking it that next step and putting it into a... I mean, if they've made it into an animated film, I would love to see it. I, I, I need to see if that's a thing. <laughs> I remember that certainly an illustrated book. It looked and had kind of the read of one of the uh, Roald Dahl books. Really? Yeah. <laughs> cool. That was kind of the way it was laid out. <laughs> well, that would be interesting. I would have to I'd have to take a look at that. Because, uh, again, I'm, I mean, Orwell I, I love as, a, as an author. Oh, Animal yeah. Farm is... Animal Farm 1984 is his most known pieces of work. Correct. And it's been adapted into several mediums. Uh, not just adapted, but uh, inspired. It's inspired many, many stories. Some mm-hmm. of the most famous are like V for Vendetta by Alan Moore. Yes. The graphic novel or comic book series. A graphic then, novel. Graphic novel, yeah, graphic which was novel. then made into a movie into by a movie. the Wachowskis. Yeah, which fantastic, oh, by yeah. the way. Love that movie. Uh, Natalie Portman and Hugo Weaving, Hugo if I'm not Weaving. mistaken. And John Hurt makes an appearance in yes, that movie. Where he's he the, is... The opposite side. <laughs> yeah, he is the big brother of that film. Yeah. Which is kind of a great point. I'd never yeah. thought of it until yeah, you mentioned I, it. because the minute I saw John Hurt, I'm like, this is the guy from V from Verdetta, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I recognize that face. Yeah, and I love cool. I love the the tribute that they made in that movie. Because yeah. V from Verdetta is very much inspired by 1984. Oh yeah, no, it's, it's got yeah. 1984 all over it. And I mean, then you have Equilibrium. Yes. Which uh, also very much in the same light, but more of an action movie overall, starring Christian Bale. Yeah, no, that one there is, uh, I, I, I think it's a film Gun we food. both like, but I think we have both identified it as kind of a guilty pleasure. Yeah, I mean, I think most people who like it, like it as a guilty pleasure. Yeah, because, it's. I'm yeah. never going to claim that thing there's a piece of... No. <laughs> like, it's not a piece of, like, high art or anything of that nature. It is very it is very much the edited for TV version of 1984. <laughs> yeah, it's not like that. Yeah, it's like, mm, how can we make someone who lives in a trailer understand 1984? 
Yeah. <laughs> gun Kata. Gun Kata, yeah, Gun Fu. <laughs> By Kurt Wimmer, or whatever the hell that guy's name is. Jesus. Uh, no, but the action was also in that movie. It is an awesome it came action out, movie. It came out, I think, two years after Matrix. Or was it one year after? Because it came out in 2000, and Matrix was 1999. No, I think it came out in, like, 2004. No. Yeah, I think it did. Well, we'll have to double check. I'll have to double check that one. Yeah. I, I, I mean, uh, but yeah, no. So it's inspired, but in several different mediums, like like yeah, the graphic novels, films, and other books uh, series, like the 1983 series which that I you were just talking about. No, two thousand two for Equilibrium. Two thousand and two. So okay, three years yeah. later. So three years after Matrix. Directed by the man who also made Ultraviolet. Ah, well, that one makes of the worst sense. movies ever made. One of the worst CGI ever. <laughs> Ever put the film. That movie hurts me visually. Yeah. It's just, no, make it stop. Mila Jojovich, I mean, as put much as I... Put the green screen away! As much as I, I love her in movies <laughs> like Fifth Element, she has not had the best luck. Oh, man, no, I don't... You gotta wonder who started casting her in these things. But, I don't know. Mm. Eon Flux is a good uh, example of another dystopian oh, future. Wow, that movie is also kind That of... is a movie as well, yes. I was thinking more of the animated show. Yeah, because yeah. that movie with the... With Charlize Theron. Charlize Theron yeah. is awful. Oh, yes, of course. It's so bad. No, they <laughs> it came I mean... out in the same time as Ultraviolet. <laughs> all these things. Everyone looked at the Matrix and went, we can do that. <laughs> Like, no, no, you can't. Where's that 1984 novel? I know I have it here somewhere. <laughs> Let's do something with this. Do we do we, do we read the book? Nah. <laughs> no, Ian Flux, that was an MTV show. It was an MTV show. Of course you would know it. You well, of course. I, love I, of MTV. I love MTV. Because it, it was... Cause, I loved MTV, oh. ma- and and what made me love it even more is the fact that it's called music television, mm-hmm. and there was barely any music. No, it was just <laughs> on music. my ride on repeat. <laughs> Spent my ride. It was the Chappelle show. It was a celebrity death match, which I loved. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think this is a way of putting it. I can bring us way back here. If you take the mood and atmosphere created by MTV and flip it <laughs> and completely reverse it, that is what this movie feels. Like. Yeah, you know this. This is a real downer. It is a downer in a good way. In a good it, way, yeah, because the story is phenomenal. Be. Yeah, I mean, it needs to be. Yes, but uh, but yeah, I wouldn't recommend anyone who is uh, faint of heart because they, they do have some slightly graphic scenes. But it's but yeah. the atmosphere makes them more graphic than they actually oh, are. Oh yeah, no, completely. Yeah. I mean, this is all in service of that overwhelming a sense of oppression oppression that's the perfect word for it dourness again it's just it's a dark sad sack movie and it it i mean it plays really well because it is a political film mm-hmm. you can't help it be a political film because it's a political story and yeah. you can tell they double down because the parts of the book they're focusing on are the political ones yeah no it's uh yeah i mean it's it's a warning against fascism yeah. Which is the far, far right, I guess. You could Yeah, no, you're not wrong. Because I yeah. mean this is a story of a man called uh Winston Smith, played by John Hurd, who is a member of the party. The party. The party. Yeah, I love that. And this is a alternate history where a fascist leader at some point, who is now referred to as Big Brother, took over the United Kingdom and is now engaged in a three way war. A world war, a continual world war yeah. between East Asia, Eurasia, and Oceania. Mm-hmm. And, and they're in Oceania, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And you're just kind of watching this guy live his life despite committing what they call thought crime. 
Yeah, which We're, is uh, which is basically thinking in impure thoughts, and impure thoughts doesn't necessarily mean just sex or no. something sexual. It could be anything that's against the party's wishes. Yeah, you so. should, your your entire life should be living and breathing the party doctrine. Yeah, and anything else is bad. Everything else, yeah. is bad. <laughs> and I mean, you can really tell again. It's this language thing, which is really interesting. Which is the. They're talking about the elimination of the orgasm, the mm-hmm. oppression of own life. Yeah, you are not these. The, you know, you this, can't have own life. You no. can't have own life. You can't have family because your family is the party. Mm-hmm. You're talking. Yeah. You're, it's yeah, all yeah. these so really they're, they're, interesting they're concepts. During the story, they're trying to eradicate the concept of family. They're trying to eradicate the concept of the orgasm. They're trying to re- eliminate sex. They're yeah. trying to re- eliminate individuality. It is the yeah, all of thought. these things are distractions. Yeah. you can't be distracted. <laughs> you are the party. That it, you yeah, are a. And I think they even use the the oper, the uh, way of explaining it, which is that you are a cell in the organism. Yeah, that's uh, mm-hmm. which is that comes up a bit later in the movie. Yeah, and you're thinking to yourself, okay, yeah. the cell in and of itself is pointless. Yeah, but it's when it's part of an organism that it actually becomes uh, that it has life essentially. Yeah. And I mean, this whole thing about the surveillance and the continual propaganda and all the rest of it. I mean, for being written in 1948, it is prescient as can be. And mm-hmm. we're both sitting here like little moments where we're both going, yep. You know. That's about right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, and, and I love the scenes when he's working. He mm. works in a like newspaper correction office, I guess you could yeah. say, where they correct old uh, news. Yeah, articles. if people have become unpersons. Yeah, if people have become unpersons, then they are eliminated from <laughs> the history, which means that they are replaced by other people in news articles about them. Yeah, if they've done anything great or or. Deemed worthy or unworthy, yeah, essentially. They're just erased from history. Yeah, and if there's any articles that can put people in a bad mood or that are that are negative to the overall uh, party yep. or concept of the country and so on, mm-hmm. then they get cut off as well. Yep. That was one of the first things they do, actually, in the movie. Yeah, no, I mean, it is. And... Uh, <clears throat> yeah, no, it's very reminiscent of... Uh, some scenes in movies. I mean, we brought up Matrix. Matrix obviously takes a little bit from this as well. And uh, the, yeah. office, the office scene, no, no more so than the office scene. <laughs> yeah, no, the office scene, it is this yeah. thing about you are no longer an individual person. You yeah. are part. You are a cog in the machine. Yeah, you're a cog in the machine. A- agents can take over your body at any point. You're, mm. not, you're not an individual. You're, you're, a part, you're a cell in an organism. Yeah. And uh, Office Space did this before the Matrix, which was amazing. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen Office Space? No. Probably? No, really? Uh, I don't think I have. You should. It's a great mm. movie. <laughs> but again, this is the thing where it's kind of like... And it, again, the Matrix is a great example here because what the, the party wants is you to be plugged into the Matrix. You mm-hmm. are seeing the world through their eyes. Yes. And Winston is, while not an active anti-anything, he's not doing anything against the party. He clearly doesn't agree with the party. Yeah, he he's, has a, he's not he's not like a neo equivalent. No, like no, 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 no. He's not very at all. much. He's very much uh, a very insignificant cog, yeah. but one that becomes slightly aware. He of... becomes aware of his own position within the machine. Yeah, and so, then that, that goes down a rabbit hole. Yeah, so he has a diary that he hides behind a brick wall in the corner of his room, yeah. out of the out of the view of the view screen, 
And the segments that he's writing in his diary are the segments that we recognize from the book because, mm-hmm. again, the book is written from his perspective. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he just um, monologues in those sections, which are great. Yeah, John Hurt has always had one of the best voices, and this mm-hmm. is the John Hurt voice at its prime. Yeah, because it's it's his voice, but it's even more subdued and even oh, yeah. more subtle and and sort of soothing. Yeah, it's say. a very quiet, <laughs> demure voice. It's the yeah. voice of a man who has had all will beaten out of him. Yeah, and I was gonna I was gonna get into that because he does an amazing job portraying mm. that. Yep, because even at his worst. Like the most intense that he lives through, yeah. he still maintains that feel of of like subtle subtlety in his voice, the quietness, yeah, completely. And like he throughout the entire movie, this is a person who's been drained of life essentially. Yeah. He speaks in a very quiet way. It's, yeah. like, it's almost like a whisper. <laughs> he has such a distinctive voice. And I mean, the thing that really kind of blows me away is that. This, the performance he gives, and it, there are several good people in this. I mean, um, I think her name is Suzanne Hamilton. I'll have to check. But uh, Julia. Right? Yeah, Julia. Yeah, I think it was Susanna, Susanna Hamilton. Yeah, Susanna yeah. Hamilton. Uh, Richard Burton is in this, and he is amazing in this. He's the, the guy. O'Brien. The, yeah. He is the, yeah, he's the guy. He's the guy. And But John Hurt has such a very intense yet clearly behind the walls performance. Mm-hmm. There is not a lot of emoting, and yet you can really read this guy's mind. He is You are getting an access, and you can almost tell that having that access is a crime. Yeah, I mean, actually, actually they, do a, they do a great job, and I'm sorry if we spoil a little bit. Uh, yeah, this, is, think, this is a story from 1948. So. Yeah, and it's a, it's a very old movie, and I think yeah. it's one of those things where we can just acknowledge that even if we spoil details about the plot, it's still worth watching because we can't capture this mood and this atmosphere and this story very completely because so much of the story is the feeling. Yeah, no. And uh, we just go watch the movie. Even if you listen to us talk about it and we give you details, still see the movie. It's definitely worth watching, for yeah. sure. And if you if you prefer uh, other mediums of entertainment, then the book is highly, highly recommended. Uh, it goes into more detail, obviously, than the movie. And the you get an even more intense <laughs> feeling. Oh, yeah, no, completely. It is a... The, the book... I just knocked over a glass. Not my turn this time. Hey! (laughs) Seems we've changed roles. Yeah, but my glass was empty. You usually do it when I at my place with a full glass of water. Usually. It happened once, maybe twice. (laughs) Twice at least. Twice at least. Twice at least. Yeah, because the one time when we were... Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) It happened twice. (laughs) Not not even a tangent aside, just a personal anecdote aside. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I spill a lot of water. (laughs) Yeah, no, that is your way. Yeah. No, but I mean, the book is a real emotional trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is one of those, like, this is a movie I would recommend in general. The book is one I would recommend totally. I mean, oh, yes. everyone should read this. And at no stage almost of human history since it's released has it not been relevant. Yeah. It's one of those definitely. books that just keeps coming round and around and again because every time we enter a new cycle of what the media is and what the government is and what war means in society and all these things, this book is so prescient and so almost frighteningly on point. Yeah. 
And it's something that becomes more and more relevant because the technology we have now is actually kind of caught up with the technology in the novel. Considering it was written back in a time where, really, I don't even know where technology... They had television we had, sets, that's about we had it. basic television sets, the radio was very prevalent. Yeah, and this this movie does feature the radio quite a bit. Yeah. Well, features, at least the radio voice quite a bit. It features the radio voice, <laughs> and I, oddly enough, I have to say this, though, is that... Every time they cut to a war commercial, because they have war commercials, so yeah, like, it's very support the war, yeah. da, da, da. I always keep thinking to myself, this looks like the beginning of a Michael Bay movie. Right? <laughs> you know, the yeah, fading in yeah. and the fading out and the soldiers <laughs> running. It's like kind the of American like, flag. Yeah, it's, like, it's like the beginning of The Rock. Yeah. It's yeah. like, hmm, this seems familiar. Why am I saying, oh yeah, Jerry Bruckheimer. Jerry but- Bruckheimer. <laughs> That son of a gun. <laughs> oh, yeah, the devil's favorite son. Mm-hmm. So, uh, <laughs> no, it is propagandistic, and it is so very prescient. So, yeah. the book is just a flat-out, do-yourself-a-favor. Read this damn thing. Yeah, because, I mean, I just remember, like, recently, things oh. that have happened, like the the Snowden incident. Oh, yeah. That was definitely 1984-esque. Oh, yeah. Uh, Freaking uh, Cambridge Analytica Facebook scandal that happened Completely just a few years ago. Completely 1984-esque. <laughs> yeah. Facebook, and, I mean, it's all yeah, yeah, very yeah. there. And the, again, it's like, it's one of those books that has yet to lose relevancy. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. No, every, every couple of years, there's always... And I think that's sort of, at least in more uh, English-speaking countries, like oh, yeah. uh, like the UK, mm-hmm. maybe the US as well. I'm not entirely certain, but I know for sure in the UK, this is very much part of uh, high school curriculum. Yeah, no, USA, not so much. No, okay. Animal Farm, I believe, is much more heavily referenced in there because it's so much more directly anti-communist. Yeah, probably. (laughs) No, Animal Farm is something I know is very regularly read in American curriculum in 1984, and I know is much more relevant in Britain. Yeah, no. Uh, I remember reading Animal Farm as well when I was in uh, 10th grade, I believe. Mm. Uh, Yeah, and what I found fascinating by it was just this idea that communism is not really communism no, <laughs> or, or, you, yeah it's not yeah. really the left and that was something i mentioned right before we started recording I was yeah. like, which is actually taken from animal farm but that's a belief that i have as well personally which is communism is essentially like extreme capitalism yes <laughs> because it's the few that are up top they have mm. everything and then everyone else has nothing but equally nothing yes <laughs> so so it's kind of like yeah. but, but it's still nothing nonetheless <laughs> Yeah, full disclosure, I mean, just so we just so we all know where we are on the board, I mean, I'm half Norwegian, you have lived in Norway for a while, I think. Yeah, 20 years? We're, yeah, I mean, we're both socialists, aren't we? Really? In, in, the, in the American point of view? Yes. yes we're very we are much Nor- socialists. We are socialists by an American standard and definition, yeah. completely. Yeah, but we live in a social democratic country. Yeah, so. exactly. So, so we're, it kind of makes sense. We aren't really gung-ho capitalists by any measure. No. Uh, but uh, but that's irrelevant in the in this setting because you know it's 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 not just about capitalism. It's about for 1984. I mean, yeah, Animal yeah, Farm very much so. But for 1984, it's not really capitalism. It's, it's fascism. Just, yeah, it's, I think totalitarianism is the yeah, better word no. to use because it's the total control of yeah of every facet it's, of someone's life. <laughs> every single facet of life has to be about control and the state. And, it, I mean, they you, you they hint at it early, they talk about it a lot, and then at the end of the film they just hammer it home with a great big Ooh. mallet. Yeah. And it is a hard watch. I mean... You well, wanna... That was actually one of the things that I wanted to, to get yeah. into, which was, because you were talking about this really subtle and almost emoteless performance, which, which is amazing because 
all of that is elevated to the nth degree when mm. you have that last shot oh. with the tears in his eyes. Yeah. Oh wow. Like, I mean, it that just, just... makes that makes the entire performance just incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Even if you felt like kind of bored through some sections because oh, there's not enough emoting, which is actually kind of typical for British movies. Yeah. No, completely. Yeah. But just that final scene elevates everything that came before it. Yeah, no, I mean, this is a movie that is, again, it is a character's journey, and it is a character's journey through hardship. It is intense hardship. Yeah, I mean, again, spoiler territory, but, uh, and this is the reason I'm bringing it up, because I've mentioned Brazil. Mm -hmm. Now, Brazil was going to end in a similar way, and they copped out on it. Oh, of course they did. And you can get different cuts where they do or they don't, and they managed to make it slightly ambiguous what's going on. Mm. Or they were going to, and then... No, sorry, this is... I'm getting it wrong. They were going to cop out on it. And then Terry Gilliam managed to not. And it it does end in a similar way, but it is this thing of so many movies take a road down... They go down the river, as it were. They go... And yet, they just don't have it in them to end where it's supposed to end. Yeah, I think a great example is like Shutter Island. Oh, yeah. Where you think that's going to end in a in a positive tone, yeah. Then, then, and then it doesn't. And then when you even when you go, and I'm, I'm sorry if I'm spoiling Shutter Island, <laughs> but uh, I'm going to try to keep it as ambiguous as possible. Mm, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, where you think it's going to go one way, and then it doesn't. But then when you go even deeper into it, you realize that no, it actually did go the, the way you thought. But yep. it's just accepting that is, is too difficult. And so he decides to not go Yeah, that way. no, it's, you know it I mean? is. It's which make, which makes the movie even greater because it's like, wow, that's that's insane. Yeah, it's also how the novel is. It's a great novel. Yeah, it's based on a novel. I haven't yeah, read no. it. I have I, to read I it. I read it before I watched the movie. Ah, and great. the movie does a really good job. I mean, it's Scorsese. It's Scorsese, Scorsese the at man. Scorsese at, at his like real yeah, real high points is, yeah 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 no I mean yeah because this is one of his best movies for completely. me personally yeah. no I, I agree completely as much as I love the gangster flicks I think uh, Shar Island I, I think his his more character driven stories like Shar Island yeah uh, Taxi, Taxi Driver, Driver obviously but King of Comedy oh, are amazing yeah. <laughs> good point yeah no I, I put Shutter Island up there with Taxi Driver yeah and I as much as I do like the slightly indulgent thing of like Goodfellas and Wolf of Wall Street and all the rest yeah, of it yeah yeah, he's better than that in some ways. Yeah, because he can really tell a dark tale. Yeah, in a in a very interesting way. Yeah. So while it, as much as I love to see a man eating ketchup, noodles and ketchup like a schmuck, yeah, <laughs> I, I I do appreciate the fact that Scorsese can actually take that journey into those. He can go down that river, and it's one of those things where you love to watch a good director do it because it isn't something that you see often. Yeah. Because it's, I mean, the fact that they got this movie made the way it is, is incredible. Yeah, I don't think we've praised the the filmmaking enough. No, I really uh, don't think the we director, have. The director and the cinematographer, or director of photographer. Dire- director yeah. of photography. Me, sorry. <laughs> director of <laughs> photographer. photographer. That, was, that came out wrong. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, no, both of them did an amazing job. Because... Oh. I mean, it's always difficult to translate or adapt a medium from uh, sorry, yes. adapt uh, between between two different mediums. Yeah, even if you're going from like movie to book or or you know vice versa. Yeah, I but mean, specifically book to film is always a hard one. Yeah, uh, game to to film has been horrible. Oh, <laughs> there hasn't been a successful one yet. <laughs> yep. No, you're completely yeah. right about that. So, so. hello, Jake Gyllenhaal, the Prince of Persia. <laughs> I know. 
You white ass son of a. No, anyway. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> and then the Hitman movie. Oh my god. Ooh, I don't want to get into both of them. Wanna... Both of them, yeah. Both of them. Horrible. Horrible. Zachary Quinto in the second oh, one. Oh god. Amazing. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. Uh, what was I saying? Tangent aside. Tangent aside. I like the fact that we're taking... This is a little different. Usually tangent aside is just us kind of wandering off. This is us going like, we're getting depressed. We're getting depressed. (laughs) We need to talk about about something silly. Talk about something silly. Okay, we're back. (laughs) Oh, my heart can't take this anymore. Oh, no. It's (laughs) so there. But yeah, no. I mean, the filmmaking is unbelievably on point. Yes. Yes, no. It's a uh, gorgeous movie. The framing, oh my god, and some of those shots. The framing, the shadows. I mean, yeah. it's artistic, but it's here. Here's a good way of putting it. Some films, when you look at how they look artistically and such, it's like colorful paintings. It's glorious and it's lush. This is like black and white photography. This is utterly stark. Yeah, and just to give you a contrast, this mm-hmm. is this is done infinitely better than say a uh, Zack Snyder kind of movie. Oh, where that's where that because I have to, I have to mention Zack Snyder at every every, <laughs> every episode. Bloody I have to mention him, but you but he he loves dick. to get that like desaturated dark look. Yeah, this is not desaturated. No, it's not. This is gloomy and stark done the right way. Yeah, this is yeah. the world. I mean, this yeah. is. This is not a filter. This is not made in a time where color grading was a thing. This is actual, this is what the camera sees. Mm-hmm. And it's all about choosing your light sources. It's that's, all that's, about... That's the key word yeah. here. It's lighting. <laughs> yeah, the lighting is so impactful. And there's so wonderful use of shadow. Oh. And just kind of washing out some of the colors using your light choices and location. The, yeah. I mean, the the it's something we talked about earlier. We were talking about this idea that if you read the book, and this is a slight change, but it's not a huge one, I think it's very easy to read this so futuristic. You almost read it like it's War of the Worlds. It's kind of like it's very... You almost imagine a uh, Dr. Caligari set. It's almost oh, wow, like... Oh, that's a reference. Yeah, I mean, it's almost <laughs> it's almost so alien as to be... You know, like in weird geometry and bizarre yeah. architecture, and yeah, because I was mentioning German realism almost, almost, yeah, because I was mentioning when I was reading the book, and I think part of me did that just to contrast the depressive nature yeah. of the book. No, I completely, need, I needed to have that visual flair, but this movie kind of does away with that and makes it yeah. incredibly grounded, actually. Yeah, I mean, to put it this way, I think when I was first reading the book, when I'm imagining Winston's apartment, mm-hmm. I'm imagining something more akin to the burrow. I'm imagining, like, this... Do you know what I'm talking about? I think so. Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. This thing where it's kind of like, it almost looks like it's so rickety it shouldn't be standing. It's yeah. so di- It's so broken down. It's like a Fallout game. Yeah, yeah, there you, you go. Know, that's a good, it's that's a good, so uh, extreme, <laughs> it's so in the future, it's not something we can really relate to except in fantasy. Actually, Fallout is a great example because Fallout is very 50s nostalgia, but yeah. in the future. So exactly. it's, it's, got, it's got that nice little... Retro-futurism. Retro-futurism. Whereas and Alien does a great... Alien does a fantastic job of that. Yeah. But here's the thing. This one here is because it is choosing real locations, it's choosing real bombed-out locations and factories and yeah. settings. Absolutely incredible. When you're watching it, these are locations you can you have seen. You have seen places like this, if yeah. not on this scale. You've seen a broken down building. You have seen bad apartments with water leaking and the sink needs fi- fixing and the light bulb mm. is just hanging there bare. 
and it becomes utterly relatable. And it, it makes it so much easier to put yourself in this terrible place. Yeah. And it, w- it was done really smartly because they didn't go for the the typical sort of, oh, let's just make it a prison cell mm. looking thing. No, it you get that feel from it, but it still has concrete, uh, like brick walls that with, with, yeah. uh, with like, uh, what do you call it, spackle on top. Yeah. And it has an interesting bed and, you know, some interesting geometry. Yes. Uh, but... Yeah, I'm just thinking it just it just came into my head in terms of how this world looks, especially the interior scenes, less futurism, more Sicario or Zero Dark Thirty. Oh, yeah, that's Zero Dark Thirty. Zero, very Zero Dark Thirty. It's this kind of almost it's the worst of the world we live in. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, couldn't put it better myself. That is exactly the feel of the movie. Yeah, no. Which which really emphasizes that. And I think the fact that they did that was good because it emphasized the atmosphere so Mm. much more that you can kind of see yourself in here. Yeah, no. Which is crazy. (laughs) The thing is like, oh my God. (laughs) It's really depressing. (laughs) A part of the film is they do a lot of... And it's the same in the book where there's not a huge foreshadowing, but there's some talk of Room 101. Oh, yeah. And it's become something of a cultural staple. Some people know what this means. Some people don't. It's not the most famous part of the book. Yeah, I think uh, Kubrick had a few nods to it. Yeah. With his own room. Yeah, exactly. Whatever. It's uh, this kind of thing where shining. it is something that has become, if not directly referenced, it's something everyone considers in like talking about dystopian futures. Yeah. This idea and the concept of Room 101. We won't tell you what it is. I think that's better left to the viewer to see. Mm-hmm. But the thing I will say is that when it's talked about and when it's referenced, it certainly gives this impression of, you know, horror and oh no, and what is this terrible, terrible place. And the reality of it is both so much more normal and yet so much more terrible. Yeah, it's... it's- Frightening, I would yeah, even it's say. Utterly yeah, utterly frightening. And Richard Burton, I, is, uh, we've talked a lot about John Hurt, and Suzanne Hamilton also does a good, great job in this, but mm-hmm. it is very much Winston's movie. His uh, opposite, let's call it, in this story, is uh, Richard Burton's O'Brien. And his performance is so... He is the other side of the coin. And his performance is so intense... It isn't. It is not a motive at all. But it is. No, it's very much in the world. They have. They yeah. didn't go outside of the world. That no, they built. but it's so much more alive. And even in his first interaction, you can tell there's a difference. Yeah, yeah. And actually, on the opening of the movie, he, yeah. he gives a look. Yeah. It. No, he's he's the only one that turns his head in the entire crowd. Yeah. And it, <laughs> besides, in, yeah. Winston. And it's this very strange dichotomy of. What is thought crime? Because his character is quite complicated and layered, and it is part of the journey is for Winston to understand this character. Mm-hmm. And they do a really great job of pairing the performances. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's. I think a good example of it would be in the Dark Knight, jo- the the Joker versus the Batman, where yes. where they're both very much. Of the world. Of the world. Mm. Not, nothing. They don't contrast each other to the degree where one, like one, seems super serious and the other is comical. No, no. They're both in the it, same it's, world. It's not face off. Yeah, it's not face off. <laughs> that's, that's a good one. It's not face off. <laughs> but with the three fingers. Oh no! 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 Yeah, no. yeah. 
I want you to suck my tongue. <laughs> I gotta eat a peach for hours. Because <laughs> that's right. just silliness. That's, that's a cartoon that's character a cartoon. versus a different movie. Yeah. No. Here, everyone is part of the world. Yeah. But uh, but yeah. So 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 I think uh, Joker and Dark Knight, where ideologically they're different. One is a bit more stoic. The other one is a bit more expressive. Yep. But not too expressive, no. where it breaks immersion. No, yeah. very much. So this movie does the same thing, where it doesn't break immersion. But you can clearly tell that these are opposites of the same coin. Yeah, they're from... And, and because of their social standing, one is an outer part. Because here the social structure is quite bizarre because there is the pro- proletariat, actual name, not slur. Mm-hmm. They're called the proles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, boy, oh boy, there's nothing like hearing a Republican use that name unironically. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to get into it. <laughs> nope, let's not do that. But it's like they are... The working class, but they're not working. It's a little hard to understand, but they seem to be kind of this under citizenry, but they're kind of normal people. They dress normally, they have pubs, they have normal human interactions. Yeah. And you can hear moments of the old world, like singing and uh, music and such from them that indicates they are not part of this new progressive society that is eliminating everything. Progressive is a word to use. This new... Oh, <laughs> for them? Oppressive society. Oppressive society. Yeah, this sure. new oppressive society. <laughs> Don't you dare paint me with that brush. But uh, then you have the outer I'm party. I'm going to you so hard right now. <laughs> I'm going have... to go to Gavin McGinnis and have him go oh, for a rant for no. you. On you. <laughs> no, no, no. No. Alright, alright. <laughs> tangent aside. Tangent aside. Political tangent aside. Oh my god. It's a, it's a new subsection. It's a new subsection. That's, that's a new found level of foundation that we're building. <laughs> so you have the outer party members who are living these terrible lives and they have chocolate rations of like 25 grams a week. A week, yeah. And all these like l- so many clear indications of these awful lives they're leading where... Their food is, like, they, they eat communally, and it's clearly not meat involved. It's something that looks like meat, maybe? It's a yeah, mystery no, they, meat. They actually, they actually do a really good uh, good job here that's actually kind of relevant. Yeah. Because they, they call it mystery meat. They say it looks like meat and it tastes like meat, but they know it's not meat. Yeah. And one of them even <laughs> so has this... It's the impossible Almost like burger. this playful <laughs> thing of, like, uh, I know this isn't actual meat. Oh, it's double good, though, isn't it? It's, it's double, double good. Double good, yeah. It's double good. Yes, old chap, it's double good. It's very, it's, it goes into this bizarre thing where they have to maintain this attitude of loyalty and patriotism, despite clearly knowing they're living terrible lives. Yeah, a game that kind of does the same thing, a lesser known game, actually, hmm. a video game, that is. Uh, uh, it's called We Happy Few. Oh, yes, yeah. heard of, never played. It's oh, not well. a, it's not a great game, I would say. It's, mm. it's, a, it's a good, it's got a good story, and, yep. but the gameplay is kind of, Okay, but uh, but yeah, it does. Especially those opening like ten minutes, mm. they do a great job of setting up the world, and it's kind of very reminiscent of uh, 1984. Even the job that you do as yeah. as sort of the worker is sort of exactly the same as this. So Fair enough. They kind of wear their influences on the sleeve, but uh, but yeah, yeah it's, it's it's fun. <laughs> and then you have the upper echelon of this, which is the inner party who wear black jumpsuits, mm-hmm. and O'Brien is one of those, and. We at one point, it's like the only part of the movie that doesn't look destroyed is visiting where they live. 
Yeah, which is still like sort of in the same. Like we were saying, it's in the world. It's in the yeah, same it's vein. It's in the world. It's very, but it's not decrepit. Yeah, it's not decrepit, but it is stark. Yeah, it is very much this kind of classical austere kind of architecture going on. The, they have elevators. <laughs> yeah, they have elevators. It's not that they don't have a thought screen. It's that the thought screen is bigger. And you can actually turn it off. And you can turn it off. You have the privilege of not listening to consistent news propaganda and indoctrination. Mm -hmm. And that that is a privilege reserved for those happy few Mm -hmm. is a really (laughs) clear indicator of the world we're living in. Yeah, because even they are technically also oppressed. Oh, yeah, (laughs) Yeah, they are. It's oppression on all levels. Like, you think you've reached the top. No, you haven't. (laughs) Nope. It's it's such a it's such a and they're not protected. It's very made very clear that one of the top guys is now uh, a reform reformed man at the chestnut tree, where a ca- it's a cafe where yeah. those who have been found guilty and have been uh, reeducated. Oh, yeah, reeducated is the word to use. Yeah, and that's something again. That's I think it's the source for it is this. It's mm-hmm. this idea that. Your brain has been changed to make you a loyal party member. Yeah. And uh, they have a very different message in the background where mm. they constantly have their own confessions. Yeah, playing. Yeah, and you, I don't want to spoil. Don't yeah, spoil the, it. The, the confessions are interesting, <laughs> to put yeah. it that way. No, but so they have to constantly relive their guilt. Yeah, I mean, and of. it's very inquisition. It's very, we will yeah. confess to anything type thing. and. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many aspects of history and culture that are at play here. and it's, yeah, it's intense. And it's one of those things where you can really see it. It is not foreign. It is not alien. It is not hard to recognize what this is. It is just an yeah. amalgamation of things we've seen before and have seen often since this novel. Kind of just made manifest into a single utterly dystopian picture yeah i would actually say that the book but the movie more so Mm. uh, because of how much more grounded it is because you're not imagining yeah (laughs) they kind of ground it for you yeah Uh, but the book the book like you were saying earlier it's relevant at any point and it's actually at any point in history Mm. if you want to do any sort of study of any time in history including now (laughs) You can you can literally take the story and you can plot it in there. Oh, yeah. And it, it would fit perfectly. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, and the one thing I will say, though, is that such a big part and such a... One of the most prescient parts of the book is the technology. Yeah. This idea that the view screen is going to be a massive part of what defines future society. The idea that observation and surveillance is going to make such a big deal. Mm-hmm. I can't... I, it, it's hard to imagine how... It, how it could have been so right. Yeah, over 60 years ago. Yeah, I mean, longer Se- than 70, 70 years, 70 ago, years now. ago now. Yeah. I mean, it is kind of the world we're living in. We live in a world where cameras are a huge part of being alive. You are under observation when you are outside, you're in a city... Your screen is home with you. It's just and actually no place more so than London, England, which is the set where they film most cameras of any place in the world. Yeah, CCTV cameras all over the place, and uh, and of course, uh, couple that with the Snowden expo. uh, Yeah, again, uh, Cambridge Analytica, the whole thing. Well, what do you want to call it? I don't want to call it scan. It's it's whistleblowing essentially. Uh, But yeah, when he when he basically proved that, well. 
your government is actually spying on absolutely everything. They might not look into everything that yeah. you're writing, but all that is being stored in their databases, yeah. and they can look it up at any point. It's they can turn somewhere. on your camera at any point. They can turn on your microphone at any point. It doesn't even have like a visual indication no, that it's, it's on. Crazy. Yeah. And which I mean, is, which is very, which is very disconcerting. Yeah, <laughs> because, but I think it's really interesting, and I think it's one of those reasons I'm recommending this so strongly is because yeah, 1984 is always the example. Everyone's yeah. always talking about it when it come, this stuff comes up. Go to the source, read the book, watch this movie because they are both wonderful depictions of the original story that yeah. Orwell was telling, and you can see why this is such a clear cultural, you know, touchstone when it comes to all this stuff. Yeah, no. Uh, read the book if you're if you're into that. Obviously, mm. and if you want a more in depth look at the universe that there that the, that Orwell has created. Yep. Uh, or you can watch the movie. The movie does an amazing job of adapting the book. I think. So, yeah, I mean, so if you're not means... if you're not going to read the book, do yourself a favor and at least watch the movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm really thankful that we actually have such a good adaptation of this because oh, yeah. this is a property that could have been handled badly. Yeah. And especially because it was filmed, you know, it, it, it almost sounds like a joke that it was filmed in 1984 in London during, during the, the months of the actual book. Yeah. It, it sounds like a publicity stunt, but it was. It captures, <laughs> it probably was, but yeah. it captures it really, really well. Yeah, no, it does an amazing job. And, uh, you know, if you want to look at a bad example of, of this story, look mm-hmm. at Aeon Flux. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Aeon Flux is a great oh. bad example. <laughs> yeah, Elysium, maybe also. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, I, I forgot about that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Matt Damon in mech armor, whatever the hell it is. Yeah, the Exos. Exo something something. Yeah. The only part, good part of that movie is Charlito Copley. Who? He's the guy from uh, District 9. Oh. That South African dude. Yeah. He's also in A-Team. Yes. Yes, he is. And he's, he's awesome because uh, he wasn't an actor before District Nine. He just knew the director, and then I thought Eighteen was his first movie. No, District Nine is his first movie. So Nine came before Eighteen. Yes, it did. Oh, District Nine, two thousand nine, Eighteen, two thousand ten, two thousand ten. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Interesting. I haven't no. looked into it. So Charlie, <laughs> Charlie Copley's rocks. He's great. Yeah. No. He's. Uh... Uh, what, what isn't that what he has in his rings like badass or something? Oh, yeah, something like that. I love it. Mad Howlin' Mad Murdoch. Howlin' Mad Murdoch. <laughs> oh man. I gotta tell you, it's it's interesting because most of the films we've picked for this have either been so bad that they're kind of like we're just laughing our asses off making fun of it and then suffering with alcohol like legend. <laughs> or uh, We've well, actually had a pretty good track record of yeah. good movies. I mean, we've uh, had fun movies, or we've had so bad that they kind of achieve something else. Movies. Yeah, we've had one of those, or have we had more than one? No, I think that's the only one. But more yeah. will probably come. But more this is the first one where it's next a, year. Yeah, it's a. Give me the look again. I'm giving you the sinister smile. Oh no, he's bringing out the box. <laughs> oh no, let's not get into that. <laughs> but again, <laughs> again. But this is the first one I think we've watched, which is, it's a really good movie, but it isn't funny. Not even in the slightest. No, it's not a funny movie. And I think it's important we occasionally dip into that well for this show, because not every movie has to be a laugh fest to be good. I mean, you can have movies like this, which are utterly stark, utterly austere, dark, and depressing. Straight up depressing. And they're still amazing. Hmm. I mean, we were talking about uh, when we um, when we were having a discussion about like our best of lists. Yeah. Uh, the movie with um, Idris Elba, 
A Beast of No Nation. A Beast of No Nation. Yeah. Which is, again, one of those movies. <laughs> oh my god, that movie. It just um, leaves. It's one of those movies that I would recommend people watch once. Yes. But I probably, I mean, no one would probably watch it twice. I doubt it. Yeah. And 1984 is a book I recommend everyone read at least once. Yeah, I mean, I I think I read it a few times, but it has Mm. been a long time since I read it last. Kind of the Uh, same. I think I picked up a copy five years ago and read it again. But before that, it was like, I read it as a teenager. First year university, which would be like seven years ago for me. Mm. Okay. Yeah, no, I read it. I I read it for the first time when I was like 15. Yeah, same. I read it uh, right after Animal Farm, which was uh, 10th grade. So high school. I was the opposite way around where I read 1984, then Animal Farm. Because I had an English teacher recommend it. It wasn't curriculum. Uh, Oh, all right, that was, Alma Farm was curriculum. Yeah, me, so. fair enough. But it's yeah, great, great stuff. Orwell, amazing job. Uh, we should probably move to final verdicts if you don't have any. Final else. verdicts? Yeah, I'm uncomfortable having this one at final verdicts. It's it's a hard one because it is. Oh, one thing I do want to mention: yeah. soundtrack. Oh yeah, we didn't even talk about the soundtrack. Soundtrack is excellent. Soundtrack is excellent. Oh, it's so good. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> How do we forget to mention the soundtrack? The soundtrack is amazing. <laughs> yeah, because it's by uh, Eurythmics and a composer. I can't remember the composer's name. And it's got this very. It's very eighties, but it is not a. You know, it, it's it's it, not what it's not the the guest or uh, yeah. Stranger Things. It's not that kind of eighties. No, no, this is eighties in the eighties, but it's also not a uh, and it's not Top Gun eighties either. It's not Top Gun. It is certainly not Commando. Yeah. You know, steel drums or anything like that. This is a very <laughs> subtle score. I think the closest I would say, but it's more subtle and less in your face, is like Blade Runner. Blade, yeah, the first Blade Runner. Yeah, I the first one. No, no, the, the first Blade Runner. <laughs> yeah. Where it's got that synth thing going on, it's got rhythm and kind of subtle beats that carry the emotion, but it is relying on performances, not the music to tell you yeah. what to feel. But the music definitely elevates the story. Oh yeah, very much so. Yeah, no, the the soundtrack here is an, does an amazing job of laying a foundation, and it does it does really interesting things to the main score. Yeah, uh, as certain events uh, conspire in the mm-hmm. movie uh, that change it. And make it and put you in the feel of the setting that they're that the character is going through. Yep. And it does a great job of doing that. And all the changes are very subtle, but you feel it. Yep. Uh, so that coupled with the cinematography, obviously, and the direction and the performances, did like that blend was just amazing. Yeah, no, I mean it carries the mood so well. At no point does it fail itself in terms of carrying that emotional impact. Yeah, it like d- the very few I can't think of a lot of examples where the soundtrack does this well in movies no not really i mean i i, I know we keep mentioning it. only lovers left alive maybe does. yeah that, that does have but, a really nice subtle soundtrack you're yeah. right um i think it's not so it's not subtle but it definitely elevates the movie i think uh, joker 2019 where the soundtrack yeah. does does a really good way, good job of putting you in the mindset and the and the that slow turn to madness. Yes, no, I will agree and, with and that. And that that's sort of reflected in the in the soundtrack. Yeah, but no. but this is this is different in that it's it's way more uh, implicit than explicit. Yes, no, completely, and it, yeah. it is very much a enhancing factor rather than an indicating factor. Yeah. Uh, I think actually a, a soundtrack that came to mind. I don't know if it's a movie you watched, Sunrise. Mm, you mean the where they're in, watching the the sun? 
where, where they're kind of trying to restart the song. Yeah, I've yeah, seen the Danny Boyle. Yeah, with with Killian Murphy. Yeah, that yeah. soundtrack, man. If you go back and listen to that again, that yeah, is, yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. It's yeah. Right there. Now that you mention it, it's yeah. kind of rushing back to me. Hmm. Uh, yeah, no, because uh, because no. usually usually soundtracks like a good soundtrack for me is like something uh, by Hans Zimmer and like a Nolan movie. That's, yeah. That always is amazing, but it's way more bombastic in those sense. Yeah, I mean, it's like John Williams, who does like the best job in the world, like Indiana Jones and Star Wars. Yeah. But it's it's They're not like and... it's not a question of when is John Williams going to reach a crescendo. He was there when you walked in the room, <laughs> yeah. and he's not going to leave it until you do. It's like, yeah. <laughs> what do you mean, go down? I don't know how to... He's at 11 all the time. Dun, yeah. dun. It's, it's... Hans Zimmer isn't quite as bad, but, <laughs> no. but yeah, it's, uh, it's way more in your face. This is, this is very subtle. It is very and, subtle. But it does, it does this great job of putting you in the mood, where, where it, it changes slightly, and mm-hmm. it changes your mood as you're watching. And you might not even notice it at, at first, but you definitely get there. Drive. Drive is a good example. Yeah. Although that does have some moments that It are has its more... moments where it actually goes into, like, it, like soundtrack, mm-hmm. but in terms of its underlying score. Yeah. Kind of a similar sound, a little bit of a similar feel. Definitely, definitely, the 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 memorable shots are mm. all of the kind where the soundtrack is sort of that that's that uh, subdued level of just putting you in the in the emotional state. Yeah, no, very much so. Yeah, and it does such a good job without being in your face, which is kind of the rest of this movie too. Nothing is the whole movie isn't about one thing. It's not like this is like a star performance by John Hurt or yeah. look at this amazing camera work. And the, none of it is standing out. But everything is equally of high level. Yeah, the only thing that stands out is Big Brother's face. Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, the, the <laughs> world, is the, which is the, the world building is <laughs> yeah. very much the point. <laughs> but that's, that's like the only in-your-face thing, is literally those eyes staring at you. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. they are just it's everywhere. So circular. I've yeah, never seen eyes just... so round. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, this movie really does, it has its own mood, and it does a great job of bringing you into its world. Yeah. Which you can probably tell because we're both kind of like we're both sitting here and we're talking and we're having fun and we're both kind of like, yeah, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, like just thinking about it just puts you in a funk. Yeah, <laughs> which no. is which is but but in a good way. Like yeah, it's doing its job. It's, yeah, I mean, this don't, is, don't misunderstand. Don't mis- not, Don't misunderstand. This is not legend where we're sitting here drinking to forget. <laughs> Uh, definitely not. Oh my god. Yeah, don't no. remind me of that movie. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, don't worry. You'll get your revenge sooner, love. Yeah, hey, let's no. be honest. My, my my legend. Two hours long. The ultimate cut. Three hours. Yeah, but it's so worth it. <laughs> three hours. Yeah, I think it's actually a little over three hours. Uh, <laughs> Not yeah. that I think about it. I think it's like uh, it's, well, it's better than the the four and a, and a, like over four hour cut of Watchmen. Also, there's a Isaac. four hour cut of Watchmen. Yeah, it's literally like panel for panel oh, <laughs> of, of the graphic novel. Oh, no, <laughs> the, the no. twelve the twelve volumes of the graphic novel, panel for panel. I swear, is the four hour long right. cut. I swear to God, if you ever make me watch that, I am bringing out the big guns. I am bringing out Sergio Leone's Once Upon a Time in America, the extended edition, which I'm runs at six and a half hours long. What is this, Redcliffe? <laughs> Redcliffe is only four. Yeah, that's true. Ha! So is Dances with Wolves. Oh, God, <laughs> you know, that's man. a four-hour movie. Man, I haven't watched that movie in a long time. Because <laughs> we brought up, uh, you know, Kevin yeah, Costner, yeah. Kevin Man Costner. of Steel, Man of Steel. <laughs> yeah. Goodbye, movie. Yeah. 
don't, don't come and save me. I I'm out. I am doping out of this I'm movie. Out. They didn't pay me enough. Take me away. Take me back to Oz. Yeah. That's, what <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Kevin Costner going to rejoin his sister, the Wicked Witch of the West. Oof. Ooh. Yep. And now I'm just imagining him in green makeup. Yeah. So, mm, that's, a, that's a thing. Has he ever done that kind of thing? I don't Maybe. think so. Oh, I hope Water it's out World there. Waterworld is the closest thing. Oh, God, that hair. Waterworld with the, with the little gills. Yeah. I'm the hero of this movie. Let me punch this woman and threaten this child. <laughs> Waterworld is insane. <laughs> Dennis Hopper, actual hero of that movie. That is true. He, is, uh, he saves Hopper. the movie. Just like Tim Curry saves Legend. Well, it doesn't really save it. No, he's not in it enough for that. He's not in it enough for that. All right, so final verdicts. We were going to the verdicts. Yeah, so so usually we do a a score of 1 to 10, where 5 is average. average. 10 is essential, basically a legendary of its genre. Of its genre, must watch. And 1 is just garbage. Yeah, 1 is hot, steaming garbage. Ah, where would I put this? I mean, this is a difficult one because it is a movie that I think is fantastic. It isn't a movie I'm probably going to watch again for a while. Yeah, but it doesn't you don't need to? No, no, no. But for I mean, it's, it to it's, be an essential movie. Yeah. Ooh. Like for example, Shawshank Redemption, I think, is an essential movie. I'll agree with that. But it's not one that I would readily watch several times because that's also a very depressing. Movie. Yeah. No. <laughs> Although that has some some levity in it at some point. It points. does actually this have some moments. This, this has, has no levity. <laughs> I'd put this at a nine. Yeah, I, I not. I don't feel I can put it at a ten. I don't know. Is there why. a movie that's done it better? Uh, that's what I'm sitting here thinking. Kind of is like when it comes to this particular kind of story, because we've all seen dystopian go lots of different ways, mm-hmm. and I'm usually dystopian finds a middle ground. Blade Runner is dystopian middle ground, where there's moments of joy, there's moments of this, there's still some fun stuff going on. This one here is so relentlessly oppressive. Yeah. My kind of movie. <laughs> Speaks to me. Yeah. <laughs> on a deep level. I don't know. I might... It, it's... What are you? Are you pushing 9 or 10? I'm kind of where you are, where I want to give it a 10, but at the same time, it's... There's like, just something there's, that isn't there, and I don't know what it is. I think because we both enjoy the book so much, maybe. But here's the thing. I don't think this movie would... I, I, this is the one thing I actually will say. It's something I was going to bring up earlier. I think this movie probably is slightly hard to understand without at least some context from the book. Yeah, I think possibly. there's. A, I think there's enough elements that aren't given actual explanations... That, or or skim through quite quickly. Yeah, um, unless you have some cultural... I don't think you need to read the book to understand it, but I think you need at least some cultural context. The the cliff notes. You need the cliff notes, or you need to have at least the pop culture stuff that came yeah. from 1984 to get what this yeah, movie's like, all about. Like, if you've seen or read, like, V for Vendetta... Yeah, and you that, know what this kind is, of stuff, and that's fine. Uh, then, 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 you, then you have an idea of what, of what to expect. Yeah, if not, you need to be paying a lot of attention. I think the stuff is all in there. It's just such... It's incorporated so well... There's no exposition almost in this movie. I would almost recommend watching it with subtitles just in case you miss something. Yeah, <laughs> no, there, there's a lot of whispering going yeah, on. Yeah, especially by John Hurt. Yeah, he whispers is. a lot in this movie. Two plus two. Just, two plus two. What is, is it, two plus two? Yeah, I mean... It's a night is what it is. It's a night, yeah. yeah. No, there's a lot of stuff like that. So I, I think that's probably why I give it a nine. It's because it is... 
incredibly good at what it's trying to do, but I think there's just a little bit of distance between everything you need and should know from this movie and everything it's telling you. Yeah. And had it been like a three-hour movie, I don't think anyone would be able to handle it. No, I think it would have been too much. So I think it's it's as good an adaption as we're ever going to get of 1984. But I think the book is a 10 while the movie is a 9. Yeah, I I think I'm going to agree with you. But either way, highly, highly recommend it. It is a definite must-watch or must-read. Yeah, I'm glad I showed it to you. I think we completely forgot to mention that it was my pick. (laughs) Oh, yeah, 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 it was. (laughs) I had I had not seen the movie. I've read the book. Exactly. I've seen other movies. So like, you came in more prepared because it is very much what the book is. Yeah, it has been a while, like mm. seven years, I think, oh, about yeah. since I last read the book. But uh, but I have a very good understanding, at least, of the themes and the story and yeah. the characters. And, and so thematically, on. this thing is the same. I mean, it is thematically. Yeah. It is thematically there. on point. Yeah. Uh, most actually, most of the scenes are kind of. Directly from the book. Yeah, I think even pieces of dialogue are taken directly from the yeah. book. I mean, but, it's um, about it's the closest adaption I can think of since The Martian. Yeah, The Martian is a good example. of Martian is a fantastic adaption from the book. Yeah, I think I actually think Martian is probably if you if we're going for just pure adaptation. Yep. I think The Martian is very much on a, on a ten. Kind yeah, of no, level. The, I I I consider I, The Martian not a the ten movie. anyway. Yeah. I love that movie. It is a good movie. I love that movie. Let's maybe science not, the shit out of it. <laughs> maybe not a 10, but certainly Yeah, nine. No, no, that's like... But but it, like as an adaption. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like if we're only going for the adaption. But overall, I agree. Yeah, it's probably like a 9 Yeah, as well. Um, but yeah, no. So so definitely... High, it's yeah. certainly a strong recommend, but it's be prepared. movie, but yes. So this, this is not date night. <laughs> Yeah, don't don't do what I did and uh, where, where I <laughs> yes. I, let, I let my date pick the movie and she picked Twelve, 12 Years, Years a Slave. Slave. Don't do that. Don't do yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> Twelve Years a Slave, another movie with a almost as oppressive an atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it's a good analog. Yeah, good analog. Actually, <laughs> man, can you imagine if she picked this? Oof, John John Hurt's skinny white ass. <laughs> yeah. Mm, nothing puts me in the mood like that. Mm. Looking over at you, you don't look like that. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm, right. I'm neither skinny nor white. <laughs> <laughs> Completely true. Yeah. You are the you are anti John Hurt. I'm anti John Hurt. You are the you are the bizarro John Hurt. Yeah. <laughs> Would I have green skin? <laughs> or blue skin? What is a bizarro Superman have? I can't blue remember. Good grief. <laughs> Uh, that, that might be even too nerdy a reference for me to actually be able to explain <laughs> for it. Right, whatever. I don't know. I only know. Oh, I Lordy. only know the reference by passing. I think because yeah. I watched the Lois and Clark. Oh god, you did, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Lois and Clark. You really do love some trashy TV. Uh, no, I used to watch a lot of trashy TV. <laughs> uh-huh. MTV boy. Oh yeah, no, I love that shit. <laughs> Lois and Clark because my sister liked it a lot. Oh. It had uh, what's her what's what's her name? I don't remember uh, something. Uh, Lois like in the, in yeah, the show. yeah yeah yeah. Whoever she, she she's was. actually really famous. I just don't remember. Her sure name. she is. Yeah, I, I never watched that show, so I wouldn't have a clue. I believe she's the same woman from uh, Desperate Housewives. If I'm not mistaken. Yes, again, another thing I've never I haven't watched. seen Desperate Housewives either. <laughs> but no, I know. I, you I say know. that, but you watch trashy TV. I don't believe you. <laughs> No, no, I've, I've changed my taste. You watch Pimp My Ride, boy. You are not allowed to say Jack. You got to pimp my ride. Damn right. 
I'm just going to let that moment hang here for a yeah. moment. You did that on air. I did and I'm not editing air. it out. <laughs> well, you know. What can you do? By now, people know. know yeah, no, you know what you're walking into. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for me, that's I a watched... trap. That's what it is. I was like, Akbar going, that's a trap. <laughs> I was a kid watching Midsummer Murder, so this was completely up my alley. Yeah, no, I just love, people I'm... dying in like <laughs> British places. No, like like I said in the beginning, where I really like movies that that try to that go for the 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 opposite of the typical Hollywood. Sort of oh happy, yeah, this is not Hollywood movie. at all. This yeah. is British through and through. And like a good example is the show Luther. Have you seen that? Oh Idris yeah, Alba? very yeah. much so. Very, love that show. Yeah. An amazing detective series. Amazing series. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Watch that. Idris Elba, again. Just, Idris Elba oof. nails that role. <laughs> that guy is an underappreciated gem. Yeah. <sighs> but, uh, but yeah. yeah so, so. Uh, so, yeah, definitely a recommend from us, both yep, of us. Definitely. Nine, a, nine, definitely. Nine veering on ten. A strong nine. Very strong I nine. I think if you're in the right mood, a ten. I think if you're in the mood for this kind of movie and you need just... I, I don't even know what you need, but you need this. <laughs> you need this. I don't know why you would, but <laughs> don't my God, don't. I hope you're okay. <laughs> then, yeah, it's definitely a 10 yeah. if you're in that mood. Uh, if you like what you hear, please feel free to rate and review wherever you're listening to us. Yes, you can get in touch with us on site on screen at gmail.com. Yep. The podcast is available on uh, Spotify, I- iTunes, and Stitcher. As well as SoundCloud and YouTube. And SoundCloud and YouTube, yeah. If you, again, rate, review, comment, uh, spread the profile, tell a friend about the show. That's yeah, the thing that helps the us the most. So, yeah, then that's, yeah. that's it for If us. you want to support us, uh, patreon.com slash side on screen. We are very on point with our titling, so don't yeah. worry about it. <laughs> yeah, it's always side yeah. on screen. <laughs> and I think we'll be returning probably next week with something a little bit more fun. Uh, yeah, yeah, let's hope so. I think so. I think we kind of have to. <laughs> yeah, because this was... <laughs> Although but, last week was a great, yeah, uh, no, great episode. That was the, the Dead Don't Die. Yeah, no, we... I think we're like, yeah, I think we'll, we'll alternate. I think we'll always follow up an episode like this with something that's a bit more light. Yeah. I think for our own sanity as well. Yeah. <laughs> I need it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank so you for it- listening. Thank you so much, and we hope to see you again soon. We will catch you on the uh, perhaps less depressing side.